Welcome to the Society of British Dental Nurses podcast, sponsored by Horton Consulting. Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Laura Horton and today I'm interviewing Elaine Tilling, who has been in the dental profession for, is it over 40 years now, Elaine? Sadly, yes, it is, or happily, yes. Wow, fantastic. That's amazing. I've got so many questions to ask you today, Elaine, because you've had such a fantastic career in the dental profession. Uh, Elaine, at the moment, is working for TP, a brand we all know and love, uh, an outstanding brand. And Elaine is the Education and Projects Manager. And Elaine, you've got such a fantastic experience within the dental profession, and you started as a dental nurse. And you know, that's fantastic for everybody who's listening today. I want to jump straight in and just ask you, what was it that interested you about becoming a dental nurse? What What's your story? Probably not as conventional as, as perhaps people might like. Um, I uh, was clearly marked for a caring profession. Um, my father, I was heavily involved in um, first aid movement for St John's Ambulance as a cadet, um, as, as, a, as, a young, as a youngster. And I but I wanted to leave home, um, quite as many 17-year-olds do or did in those days. And I, I saw an opportunity. My father's a naval officer, uh, and I quite, uh, being a, a, a teen, as teenagers are wanting to be, want to do something to jolly upset the apple cart. I thought I'd join the Royal Air Force, and one of the options when I was looking at medics, nursing, was dental nursing. And um, I, I fell into it by accident, if the truth be known. Wow, like so many. But so what was the process? How did you begin that process as applying for a dental nurse? Did it take a long time? It did. I, I sort of, you, in the military, you join you join the military first and foremost. So okay. first and foremost, you're a member of the armed forces. So I had to obviously undergo tests for my suitability, both physical and mental ability to uh, become a member of the armed services. In those days, women were non-combatant. So they were in a protected under the Geneva Convention and didn't, were never armed. So I didn't join to fight for my country per se, and that's very different to today, where anybody joining the armed services in any of the disciplines will be required to be armed. So it's very different in those days. And then I had to sit some aptitude tests for dental nursing. And so in the armed forces, the nurses do more than just chairside assisting. Uh, they do the first stage of prosthetic work. So you're tested for your uh, academic ability but and your communication ability but and also your dexterity wow. so we were required to um, cast uh, a model for example um, as to, to see how we got on um, so it was they, they wanted to know how dexterous we were and I had to bend a piece of wire around a, a course of posts so they were looking for some that they because the Royal Air Force and certainly all armed forces dental nurses do the first stages of prosthetic work which includes uh, making bite blocks and doing the uh, and making impressions. Wow fantastic so advanced really isn't it? Uh, yes it was because you have to dual role them dual purpose because often the uh, military units are far away from um, our laboratories and so to get the initial stages of prosthetic work underway in the, in, the, in those days when there was no CAD cam, no, no exciting yeah. funky stuff, uh, it was all done with impressions, etc. It made sense to train uh, the initial stages with our nurses, so making bite blocks and uh, making um, special impression uh, trays was one of the roles, as was um, putting temporary dressings in many, many years ago. That's what dental nurses did. 
Wow, that's absolutely fantastic. So I'm guessing, Elaine, the application process was quite hard. I'm guessing that many weren't successful. It must have been such an achievement to be accepted. I, I don't think it was hard. I, I, it was certainly convoluted and required a, a specific set of skills, I think. Uh, but, I, you know, it wasn't rocket science. It was uh, the selection procedure was based on, on the on basic skill sets that um, the majority, I would suggest, uh, level-headed people could cope with. Right, okay, wow, fantastic. And is it still like that now? Yeah, the selection process is not quite as uh, prolonged, um, and it depends on the, um, the, the service you're talking about. So each of the three services recruits separately, okay. although one now at the Defence Dental Agency, in fact, it's an even newer name, which I'm, I, I, I don't know, um, but the arm, three armed services uh, train their nurses together now. Right, so wow. Services, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting, it really is. When I was a young girl, I, I wanted to go into the army and um, my parents were having absolutely none of that. And uh, <laughs> I, that was something I really wanted to do. They were like, absolutely no way. Um, but, you know, everything happens for a reason, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. You know, what, what started out as a mission of almost, you know, so there uh, to my parents yeah. turned out the absolute best decision for me I haven't looked back so I loved being a nurse and I think I often say when I'm lecturing or speaking to anybody once a nurse always a nurse your dental nursing is like a stick of rock inside you really I suppose um so yeah yeah I completely agree that's a fantastic uh, phrase actually so you then um took a you know you took your career in a different direction which is something that so many dental nurses want to do so many dental nurses want to become a hygienist therapist and that's the direction you moved in was that in the army in the armed forces as well yes I served for 25 years in the Royal Air Force so um once I'd done my dental nurse whilst dental nurse training actually the hygienist trained in the same school down at um, RAF Holton and we saw all of the nurses went in as patients for the trainee hygienist, so take that with it as you will. Uh, I wasn't put off by it clearly. <laughs> and I, I, my first overseas, I, my first tour of duty was at the London Dental Centre in Harley Street, working with the MOD employed civilians and military personnel in London. And then within my first year, I was posted over to Gibraltar, where I worked very closely with the hygienist, um, and because it's quite a small team over there. So I knew then that I wanted to go on and, and do more than, than nursing. I wanted to, to work with the patients for myself because I quite enjoyed the oral health and oral hygiene side of it and oral health education side of my dental nursing role. I didn't have the qualifications then um, because I needed, I did absolutely appallingly at my first round of um, O levels as they were then. Uh, coming out with just two so I resat them and did a business course before I joined the Air Force then joined the Air Force but I still needed biology right so I then whilst I was overseas did a night class to get my O level uh, in biology uh, so that I would be eligible for application to the next course for dental hygiene training which is what I applied for as soon as I came back, back from my two-year tour so I was three and a half years as a dental nurse and then started my training as a, um, a dental hygienist. Wow, that's, that is so interesting. And I think that's really important to anyone listening. If you're worrying that, you know, you haven't got the qualifications that you need to apply. You know, Elaine's done it. I've done it. I spent two years, uh, two nights a week for two years retaking exams and learning more and more. Um, 
just go and do it. Just book yourself onto a course because that's that's the only thing that's stopping you. Then do something about it. So, you know, yeah. Lane's been yeah. in the profession for over 40 years and that's your dedication to, you know, put yourself in the best possible position by retaking some O-levels. It's, it's great. So anyone who's listening, you can do it too. You most definitely can. So I want to ask you about TP. Um right. It is a fabulous brand, isn't it? It's a wonderful brand. And I have to say, it is also my, the TP manual toothbrush is also my favourite manual toothbrush. Um, what a wonderful brand to work for. So how did that progression begin? Um, well, I did a business degree uh, while I was a hygienist. Uh, I was serving over in Hong Kong and I realised that um, I wanted to not I was a, uh, in the ranks so I was a senior NCO over in Hong Kong and I wanted my commission I wanted to run the highest training school that was always going to be once I started training I knew that I wanted to be the officer commanding and so I went about ensuring I had the right qualifications and experience to do just that so um, I became the officer commanding the, the tri-service school of hygiene training. That was my last post um, down at Aldershot. And from there, I started working, I was, or whilst I was uh, at Aldershot, I applied to do my MSc because of I, I realised actually my absolute passion and great, great interest was in, in getting patients to change the habits, to encouraging encourage healthy habit and I knew that as a as a communicator and somebody that was we're very teeth focused obviously in dentistry but we're much more than our teeth and I think all the clinical evidence you know that now we have have you know coming in links the mouth with the overall body but we we knew that so we knew a good oral health meant better general health and a better quality of life for the majority. So for me, it was about understanding. I have to understand why I'm a why lady. And so the masters for me helped me understand the wider concept and perspectives in health, such as the you know, social interaction and, and social constructs. So actually sounds all very highfalutin. It's it wasn't it was you know what makes people tick and why do some people why can some people achieve and others others can't and what can we do if anything about that so it says i sort of gone round the houses with that bit but that's where my passion is and as part for my dissertation i looked at the role of smoking on oral health and the very poor understanding uh by most smokers about the effects on their mouths other than staining of their teeth they knew very little um, mouth cancer was certainly on the rise then it's definitely on the rise now um, and so I met TP uh, or, or came into this role because the owner of the company that was importing the TP products was a guy called Stefan Wickland Swedish guy who um, also looked at, uh, also sold another product bioextra it's a dry mouth product so he I was lecturing in mouth cancer and I got to know him from a commercial basis and he asked me if I'd ever consider um coming to work for him which is what i did in the end i i had a four-year-old daughter and i didn't want to trail her about the country i want uh, and she was going to be an only child so we wanted a village life for her and that's what i so i stepped in this direction a commercial direction really for my little girl who is now uh 19 and is over in vietnam having a lovely gap year thank you but um <laughs> brilliant <laughs> But, but certainly the 15 years I've spent with Mola and now TP have been about uh, really harnessing my passion for dentistry, which I still love, 
to the I says the benefit of a product range. They're a great products, you're right, but there are other great products out there on the market. Uh, TP uh, as a company have a very traditional family ethos. So whilst we're now no longer an independent company, we are part of the TP family and it is a family owned company in Sweden. And so it's a, a company that I I have an affinity with because they have the same ethos as them. Mm. You know, yes, of course, we make products, very good quality products. And, you know, there are others out in the market, but we we talk about them, we sell them and we work with them in a way that I find completely at ease with because I'm just as likely actually to a patient to recommend I don't know a Curaprox an icon any other incidental brush if I think that's the right thing for them um, so I, I remain autonomous in my clinical opinion mm. but commercially I have absolutely no qualms in highly recommending and supporting and having my name linked with this brand yeah no I think it's fantastic it really is and like you say you're there for all the right reasons um which is just wonderful I wanted to ask you about the role of dental nurses and how working with TP how you see dental nurses in a different light could you tell us a bit about that I don't suppose whether it's a different light I think the role of the dental nurse is evolving I think of the you know they are the largest carder in dentistry um and and certainly they they have tended uh, until registration to be the least well represented um although you know now when i start to see gdc and lay personnel and the broader members of the team being involved in all areas of dentistry um that's you know my hats off to them i in the military i had uh, the pleasure of working alongside the dental nurse training um carda um and maintain my links uh, with the trainers the, the ladies and chat chat actually that I work with there but I see the, the role of the nurse evolving um, to a much broader dental public health ethic and ethos um, there will always be a role for chairside superb four-handed dentistry assistant and you know that is that in itself can be a completely fulfilling uh, career um, but there are so many more opportunities now looking in the broader public health, uh, looking at even highly specialised area of dentistry and oral health education is where you start with starting to see more and more uh, highly capable and uh, committed individuals from the dental nursing cadre, which is fabulous. Mm, absolutely. It really is. It's um, fantastic to see that there's so many inspirational people doing so many different things, which is really what this podcast is about just you know try and capture um people to see all the different opportunities that are out there from those that are already doing it and I'll, the other thing I wanted to ask is relation to dental nursing is well and dentistry really um you have must have seen so many changes Elaine um is there anything in particular that you know stands out to you in relation to dental nurses uh you know and changes that have happened to dental nursing over the years is there anything that stands out to you i think the broadening of the scope of practice uh to to utilize nursing skills in uh topical uh, fluoride application for example i think you know that just the, the chink in the gap uh, that that says you know why not use the skill set of the team that you have that we already have and broaden the uh, clinical working uh, parameters of height of nurses has certainly um, empowered them 
and is a benefit to patients. It, you know, the, the skills escalator concept whereby actually it doesn't matter what card we're from, uh, there should be a way, and indeed there are increasingly ways that avenues opening, whereby you can extend the scope of practice to fully utilise a skill set, uh, fully utilise a workforce that, I mean, let's face it, I mean, it's predominantly female man, there's a lot of coming in and coming out, but you, I see, and certainly in the last 15 years working for TP, where I go to most of the, major, of the big shows and meetings, it is very clear that you've got career, lifelong career dental nurses out there, committed, dedicated, nursing, not for the money, let's face it, um, yeah. but for the a love uh, of, of the profession and for the care of their patients. So. I think the recognition of GD, not recognition, but the, under registration under the G, under GDC, mm. marked the start really uh, of, of of the next pull step, pull and step up because culpability um, brings its burden, mm -hmm. uh, but it brings rewards too. So I, I think recognising uh, our nurses as, as well as the rest of the team on the register comes with its responsibilities, and I, I don't see any reason why the, our nursing card don't can't step up to that mark yeah. uh, because actually most of them are already already there. Yes, definitely, and scope of practice is fantastic, and it's only going to continue to grow. There are going to be even more opportunities. Um, yes that come in the future as well. So it's important for dental nurses to start upskilling as soon as possible so that when new and, you know, equally exciting changes occur, they can be there ready to jump on with those as well. And I, I completely agree with you, Elaine, completely agree. Um, it was just such a fantastic time. Um, I'm oh, Sorry, did you want to say something? <laughs> Sorry. I want to um, ask you about uh, Fiona Elwood. So you've known each other for five years now. Yeah, roughly, yeah. You've got both got, and we know Fiona's got a huge passion for education, but that's something that you share as well. Is that right? Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah I think it's about empowering, isn't it? I, 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 when I work uh, in groups, uh, nurses and the whole team actually, nurses, hygienists, dentists, when we're talking about mouth cancer and et cetera, et cetera. And I, there's, we, somebody once told me, it's like you put your own limitation, you put your own ceiling on your abilities and on your educational status. So we all have to just, I, I constantly hear in nursing, you know, particularly on the stand at TP, I say, I am just a nurse. Nobody is just anything. <laughs> Um, and, you know, the reason that commercial people ask, you know, what, you know, I'm a nurse, you're a hygiene, the reason I ask is because then I know who I'm talking to. Mm. Then I know I give the right messages. It's not a, oh, you're a nurse because. Um, some of our nurses, uh, you know, the caliber, it's, it's seamless. Yeah. There is no, there's no, there's no deadlines here. We choose our card as we choose hygiene. I'm particularly clinical, particularly that's what I love to do. Uh, but now I, I don't work in a clinical capacity. I work purely in an educational capacity. So the pathways, are, you know, we we limit ourselves. There is no limit placed on us. Wow, that was fantastic what you just said there. It really was. So Fiona recently wrote um, a piece on dental show etiquette and. Um, mm she wrote in there about the need for some education or learning with products what are your thoughts on that and and the article as well 
think we spoke about this article uh, at, it, at its inception, actually. We, so from a, from a product perspective, it, it is crucial that the nurses have, a, have an understanding of the products and what goes in them and what they're used for and how to use them. Um, because it's as likely, as they all know everyone, they will more likely ask a, a nurse on the reception desk or on their way to the reception desk than they will the clinician that's taught them how to use something. <laughs> Because um, the barriers in the surgery are such, you, you know, we, we, we say we think we know what we've said, but actually what, what they end up doing is completely something else. And so having a nurse or having all the members of the team singing from the same hymn sheet, I don't know, incidental brush, you know, why use an incidental brush? Well, if, if, if that's been reinforced by the nurse who also understands exactly why, well, you've been asked to use this because you must have an area of, you know, infection, you know, however they want to explain it to the patient. You, you've been asked to use it because you need to use it and so it's it, it really crucial actually that the nurses fully understand that why that bend in the brush is that way you know I don't know it might be some funky new contra-angle or something but why is that and what use is that um, and so for me when 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 we're talking to nurses at shows uh, they're just they're our key target and I don't see them any differently to the rest of the team I, I may use different language only because it's more appropriate to use that language and they certainly use different language with me so it's about tailoring in the same way as we tailor to patients I would tailor to who I'm speaking to yeah no, but they all have the same message it's all the same yeah so you know if you're a dental nurse you're going to a conference you see tp you know go and talk to whoever's on the stand if you've got questions if you like elaine you know want to know why about something go and ask because people want to share you know knowledge with you and you know it's commercially purely with a commercial head on all of the companies have a vested interest in ensuring that the whole team know about their products um, I think where uh, Fiona spoke quite eloquently on the etiquette of shows is that the nurses do tend to hunt in packs um, yeah. at the big shows. And that is down to confidence, I suspect. Uh, it also down to the fact that it's probably the only time they get out, get, get to go out together as a team uh, from on a work mission, if you yeah. like. Um, so they, they tend to use it for socialising as well, which, which is fine. Um, but when they hunt in packs and can and ask for things, like, oh, can can I just have a bag for my mate Debbie? The answer to that is that's not a terribly professional way to go about speaking to the company to anyone. Um, <laughs> but equally, you know, if her mate Debbie um, couldn't come to the show today because somebody had to man the fort, then that's all the only explanation I'd require. You know, so she couldn't come today. Could we take a bag for so and so? That's fine. But grabbing bags and, and being unprofessional in the manner with which they come to stand, just nobody any favours. And can I just say when I'm saying this about nurses, it's more noticeable from the nurses because there are more of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that doesn't happen in other carders. I'm not saying it's, it, it's exclusive to dental nurses. It definitely is not. Unfortunately for the nurses, they're more of you. <laughs> yes. And everybody does it. But like you say, you know, it's the it's the hunting impacts. Um, you know, yes. and we've all seen it, you know, no matter what role you're in, we've all seen um the groups of people who are leaving with, you know, ten different types of bags and you know, it's it's quite comical really, but definitely there needs to be some um etiquette review there doesn't there so well, I think it, it's, it's it's do as you would be done by wouldn't it I you know I if somebody came up and said you know could I have such and such for my grandma the answer is yes of course you can because <laughs> we have a vested interest in making sure grandma has her teeth clean yeah. um, 
and knows about the products, but I suppose it's just the way it's done. But I have to please let me reiterate, it isn't I'm not singling out dental nurses, no. but unfortunately you it's the biggest card, it's more obvious. Yeah, no, everybody does it, dental nurses, every role, trust me. Uh, it's just when you're in a big group, um, it's, it's not as noticeable when it's a, a couple together um, but or a single person. <laughs> when you're in a group, you're very noticeable. So yeah, talking yeah, about... I come from a military background, so seeing, a, seeing an entire army coming towards you is... <laughs> That'd be a good analogy. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's very good. So we're talking about conferences. Um, you do mm. obviously do a lot of lecturing. Now you're lecturing um, for the society's uh, annual conference in April. I am, yes. What are you talking about, Elaine? I'm going to be looking at uh, habits and I'm going to be specifically talking about the uh, C change in smoking in the United Kingdom and move towards the electronic cigarettes and vaping. So the presentation is around uh, habit formation, healthy habit formation, but we're utilising um, a, a, a fairly new um, uh, habit, whether we like it or dislike it, it's probably because we don't know enough about it, uh, of vaping and use of electronic cigarettes. So I'll be presenting the latest data looking at um, Who's, who's smoking, what they're smoking, and what the potential impact that might be. Oh, that sounds very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Okay. And um, so get your tickets. If you haven't already, dental nurses, it's a fantastic price and you get to see Elaine. So what could be better? A couple of questions for you. One, what does an honorary fellow mean? And also, what excites you about the society? The uh, appointment of honorary fellows members are usually what a society will tend to do is at names and people that um, are active within the profession that can promote, further promote, in this case, the Society of British Dental Nurses. So it was an honour to be invited. And so when I attend various meetings, clinical meetings and um, scope of practice meetings, like I sat with Fiona last week, actually, for the Health Education England. I also sit on the National Institute of Clinical Excellence uh, body as an expert panel witness. But wow. with me comes then um, uh, my association and interests in the wider field of dentistry, and in this case, nurses. So I am able... Uh, where appropriate and possible to further promote the role of our nurses in the United Kingdom. Wow, that's wonderful, isn't it? That's really, really good. So what's and the so, excitement? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, no, no. I, I think the society, I, I'm always slightly uh, dubious or uh, concerned about when, when a new society is spreading. You know, what's its role? We've got a, the, the um, Dental Nursing Association. It's a long-established association. But I think with the growth uh, of uh, the role and scope of practice for nurses, there is now time and it's appropriate that the nurses have uh, a wider choice of associations, societies that can promote the role of a dental nurse. I don't see the two as being in competition. I see them having very different roles and actually from a the ethos of, of this society is, is one of professionalism and professional promotion of the role of dental nurse. It's certainly not a union voice, it's certainly not a tail the line voice. It is, its role is to further promote um, the cadre of dental nurses and to represent uh, the nurses with a, 
uh, I think more proactive. Mm, that just sounds negative to the the, the the society, and that's not meant to be. It, it, it we certainly have an added impetus in the society for the further promotion of nurses within the United Kingdom, and we can work in a complementary way with the British Dental Nursing Association. Fantastic, very well put, Elaine. That's that's great. So. I have asked you so many questions, Elaine. Is, is, is there anything that you feel uh, the dental nurses listening uh, need to know? Uh, any words of wisdom uh, that you have at all that you'd like to share? Uh, anything that's been important to you in your career? Any hints and tips, whatever it may be? Is there anything else you'd like to share today? I think um, I wear, we all wear where we're at because of the journeys we've taken. And I... You know, I've worked with alongside superb teams, and in those superb teams are superb nurses. Um, and so I say to anyone that if never be I'm only if if being a nurse is where you wish to be, then then be the best you can be, and don't ever take no for an answer. If you feel that you can or you wish to do more, then get up and do more, and stand up and be counted because societies don't come about meetings don't come about without volunteers and so from my personal perspective I have been involved in my own societies from the outset of my career to the present day I sit on various boards in my time and and so my my personal time because my commitment to my clinical profession and my professional body is such that it doesn't just stop at five o'clock and there are many people uh, that work that way um, and I would encourage nurses to get involved in local groups and setting up study clubs I work with lots of great nurses in the southwest in evening study clubs they sort themselves out they get a little bit of funding from the local deaneries and education authorities they are proactive they're very exciting to be around and I would positively encourage um, all of the nurses to get involved in setting up study groups where you can discuss clinical issues in an appropriate way. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. That's that's wonderful, Elaine. And the society is looking for proactive dental nurses who want to set up study groups in their areas. So please do make contact if that is something that's inspired you after listening to Elaine today. Elaine, I'd like to say thank you ever so much. I think we're going to have to have another podcast interview because I know I've got so many more questions that I want to ask you, but for today we're out of time. And thank you for your time today. You're so busy, but thank you for taking time out of your day to do this podcast. So thank you ever so much. Pleasure. Thanks very much, Laura. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.